0: We're in Exodus chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at Moses uh, having gone to Pharaoh and commanded by God to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And as he's gone and said that, Pharaoh is countering and trying to get Moses to accept a compromise Moses goes to him, first of all, and says, let my people go and let us go worship our God, and we're going to go three days journey out into the wilderness and worship our God. Had Pharaoh simply said yes, they may never have wound up in the promised land, because that is all that... Moses asked, and it was all he was directed by God to ask for, and we're going to see that. But we're going to see as soon as he asked to go and worship God, that Pharaoh, who is not a worshiper of God, but in fact claims to be the god of Israel uh, of Egypt, not the Egypt of the Egyptians, not of Israel, and. Uh, The Pharaoh was the manifestation of Ra, the sun god. So he did not feel like he was God, but he did feel like he was the physical incarnation of the sun god, Ra, and that is what every Pharaoh believed. And that's why they could get so much work out of the Egyptians and those they enslaved because as a god you could condemn someone to the netherworld or uh, to hell, if you will, forever. So that's why they worked so hard to build the pyramids and build all the things that they did and endured all the slave labor because it was not a matter of just getting enough food. It was not a matter of them whipping their backs. It was a matter of them being able to say, you would be excommunicated from heaven. Now, their idea of heaven was certainly not a a biblical idea, nor was their idea of hell. But it was still the same thinking in the minds of the Egyptians who served Pharaoh as a god. And we're starting in chapter 8, and we're going to look at some verses in chapter 8, and then we'll look at some verses in chapter 10. So in chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 25. If you found that, uh, would we stand together if you're able to? Exodus chapter 8, starting in verse 25, and we're going to read down through verse 28. And the Bible says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Remember that Egyptians hated sheep, and that's what Israelites raised. They were shepherds. Of the, of the Egyptians to the Lord our God, lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptian before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll take this passage of Scripture. And make application to all of our lives. Lord, you want us to be completely sold out to the cause of Christ. You want to use our lives in every aspect of our lives. We belong to you. And Lord, just as Pharaoh is bringing these compromises to Moses, the devil tries to bring them to God's people all the time. And Lord, I pray that we'll be able to see through the devices that the devil tries in our own heart to make us compromise and not fully give ourselves to you in every instant. And so, Lord, I pray you'll take your scripture and help us see that comparison tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want us to to try to see the um, analogy of uh, the Israelites wanting to leave Egypt and Pharaoh trying to get them to compromise on what God has asked them to do. Now Moses is going to be the spokesman for the Lord. So when Moses says something, that is exactly what the Lord is asking for. But we're going to see that Pharaoh is coming back with alternatives to what God has said. And you're going to find that that same thing happens in the life of believers. We know we ought to be completely sold out to the Lord. But we're going to have many different reasons why we can't do what we should. Well, I'm tired, so of course I can't do what God wants me to do because uh, I get tired. Or, uh, well, you know, gas is so high. Oh, it's crazy. And, uh, and I, I live 10 miles away, and that's going to be back and forth, and, and that's going to cost a lot of money. And I, I, I'd love to serve God. Of course I'd love to go to church, but uh, that, that's asking a lot. And I don't know that I can afford that anymore. Oh, there's going to be so many different types of excuses And all those are simply examples of which the devil will give us one that actually fits our life. Maybe none of those apply to any of us, but I guarantee you the devil will know things that can be used on you and I and every one of God's children. So the first compromise we see here from Pharaoh is, go and serve God, only don't go very far away. Now Moses said, we want to go three days journey into the wilderness because we are taking sheep with us and we are going to sacrifice those in the wilderness and we don't want the Egyptians around when they see us with our sheep because the sheep are an abomination to Egyptians. Now there's many different reasons why that could have been so. Um, But one practical thing is, is that sheep, of course, eat grass, but unlike cattle, they do not bite the grass, they pull up the grass. See, cattle bite the grass and they bite it off, but sheep have a way of eating it down to the dirt and pulling up the roots. So that's why you have to constantly move sheep. If you keep them in in one space, it will all just be barren land. And so you got to constantly get sheep on the move, on the move, always looking for grass, never keeping them in the same place because they will literally destroy the land. Now that's just one probable reason why, but there has to be other reasons as well. They hated sheep. Now God said in verse 26 and verse 27 to Moses, He said, It is not meet that we should do so. We shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes? And will they not stone us? And then in verse 27 He says, We will go three days journey into the wilderness. And sacrifice to the Lord our God as He shall command us. Now, we're going to go three days journey, and God is going to tell us then what He wants us to do. You know, when it comes to having your life sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to find that God doesn't say, here's what I want you to do Now I want you sold out. No, he says, I want you sold out to me. And then he gives you his marching orders. See, until the one, he doesn't need the other. Doesn't that make sense? Until we are sold out, until we're willing to do whatever it is God wants us to do, he doesn't give us marching orders other than the general will of God. But he gives us that specific will of God when we get to the place where it's no longer my will be done, but it's thy will be done. And when we get to the place where we lose our will and all we want is God's will, then he finds it's very easy to control us. It's very easy to steer us any direction he wants as long as we are yielded to him in the first place. So God said, I want you to go three days' journey, God's spokesman Moses said. And he says, you can go, but don't go very far. Certainly don't go three days' journey. Now Satan would say, he doesn't mind you serving God. He just doesn't want you to go too far in it. He doesn't mind you going to church, but certainly not Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, that's 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 crazy. And yet the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And here's the last phrase. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now let me just ask you, what day you think he's talking about the day approaching? That's the day of the Lord. That's the return of Christ. That's the rapture of the church where Christ comes for his own. Now maybe you live in this world and you just think, well, I don't think these are the last days. I just don't I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think so. Let's see, wars and rumors of wars and famine and uh, all these things and, well, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe these are the last days. We're seeing all those things take place. Pestilence, worldwide pestilence. When you see these things, lift up your eyes for the Lord's coming is very close. Your redemption draweth nigh. So much the more as you see the day approaching. So God wants us in church and God wants us in church more in the last days, not less. Now, I know people come to faith in Christ and then your relatives say, "Uh, yeah, but don't go off the deep end. Now, it's okay. You were on drugs. You were on alcohol. you, You were getting divorced. You were... You know, your children weren't doing well, but then you got right with God and your marriage got fixed and you got off those things and your kids are doing well. I understand. That's good. But don't go so far that you go to church all the time. And please don't get to the place where you're giving money to the church. You've just jumped off the deep end. It's amazing how relatives see things. They see your change of life but they don't attribute that at all to what God is doing in your life. They think you just had a change of heart. And they'll say, don't go off the deep end. Well, that's certainly what Satan would say. Don't get so messed up that you're, you know, just living for Jesus all the time, asking what would Jesus do? Please don't be one of those kind of Christians. But that's exactly the kind of believer that God wants all of us to be. Satan would tempt, tempt us like this. Dabble with your faith, but don't jump all in. Don't be all in. Many different times in the history of our church, in the last several years especially, uh, uh, the men's staff would meet together and maybe the ladies' staff in our home and the ladies would be with Miss Vicki in the kitchen, and I would be in the uh, living room, and we'd talk about what God is going to do. And then I'd just look to all of them and say, Are you all in? And they'd say, Yes, Pastor, I'm all in. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all in for, for God. And I'd go to the next one, Are you all in? And I was so encouraged. Tear hear every single one of them not just saying all in because that one said all in but saying all in because their heart was in the work of God and I wasn't asking them, are you all in for Pastor Mutchler it had nothing to do with that are you all in for the cause of Christ it's not about me it's about the Lord And that's what church is about. It's not about a person. It's not about people. It's about the Lord. You can be a Christian and that's okay, but certainly don't be one of those who go to the mission field. Certainly don't be one of those that you think God wants you in full-time Christian ministry. Certainly don't be one of those who feel like your life is gonna make that difference in somebody else's. In fact, during this COVID, you know, I think sometimes we thought, well, just worship at home. You don't need to go to church. And and I'm not discounting the fact that there were days that we probably had to do that to keep safe. There were certainly times where uh, COVID was spreading uh, throughout our community and area. Not so much in our church, but around the area and around the world and And there is probably fear of the unknown and because it was indeed a a very dangerous flu type thing. But it's been a while. It's been over two years. And somehow we had to get back to going to church because... um, Jesus told us in the Bible. I mean, it's in the Bible. Paul's writing in Hebrews. I think he's the author. It doesn't say he's the author, but I, I have read that all the early church fathers felt like Paul was the author of Hebrews. And he's the one that says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, let me just tell you this. Church is not watching church. Now, I, I, those who are watching online, I'm glad you're watching. <laughs> wonderful. And that's why we live stream so people can watch. But I'm just going to tell you, it cannot take the place of church. If you're sick, it's a wonderful thing. If if you are Contagious, it's a wonderful thing. If you are, have a sickness and you have uh, things that you can't be around someone, you couldn't catch a common cold. Well, that's what that's for. But for healthy Christians, we need to assemble together. Because church is the called out, is the ecclesia? That's the called out assembly. The Greek word church, ecclesia. Called out assembly. That's what it means. If we don't assemble, we don't have church. You just heard a sermon. But see, church is not where we come to get. Church is where we come to give as well as get. The Bible says, love one another. How do you get that one another if you don't meet together? The Bible says, comfort one another. How do you do that if you don't meet together? The Bible says, edify one another. How how can I do that if I don't see you? See, there has to be a way. Church is not God's people showing up. Church is God's people intertwining their lives. We're intertwining our lives. We're believers. We are a spiritual family. Could you imagine going to a family reunion when, whenever, and everybody just stood off by themselves and never shook hands, never said hi? If you go to a family reunion and, and you don't get some hugs from a crazy aunt or uncle, it's not a family reunion. You, you, you got to have some aunt that just hugs you like, oh, I remember when you were a baby and you walked around in diapers. Oh, yeah, but I'm 50 now, you know. You, but, you know, they always remind you of all these things that they saw. But, but let me just tell you, that's, that's, a, that's a family. And we're a spiritual family. And God meant for our lives to intertwine and be a part and get to know each other. Come to church expecting to give as much as you get, and you can be a blessing by encouraging others and saying encouraging words and cheering people up, or saying I've been praying for you and the situation in your life that your family's going through, or your aunt, or your mother, or your father, or. The devil's saying here through Pharaoh, serve the Lord, just don't go too far. You really don't need to travel to church house to worship uh, simply because God says to do it. But that's all the reason in the world to do it is because God said it. Because as believers, we... Try to base our lives on what the Word of God says. And it says we are to assemble together. And that's why we do. It's not because our church is the best in the, in the world. It's not because, certainly not because pastor has the best sermon in the world. Or um, we have the best singing in the world. Or best this. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that every Christian needs to find a local assembly And needs to assemble with believers. Now, I grew up in a church that never had over 60 on a high day, hardly. But we assembled. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings, revivals, and uh, youth meetings, and all of those things. And it helped us grow in Christ. I grew up playing quite a bit of sports but I never played organized sports and someone said how come? Well, because it's hard to be very active in church and 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 play organized sports. It just takes so much time and especially today many sporting events are on Wednesday nights, they're on Sundays, they're on weekends, they're out of town. But you know, in America, sports is one of our gods. And many people bow down to it. And I'm not against sports, but I'm against bowing down to it. I'm against making it a god. And then many, other th- many other things like that can be that. So one of the compromises is serve God, just don't go too far. The second one is found in chapter 10. If you'll take your Bibles and look in verses 8 through 11 of chapter 10, we find that Pharaoh changed his mind about letting them go, and then many other, several other plagues happened. And then he considered again in chapter 10 in verse 8. And the Bible says, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, And he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. Now, he's had several plagues in between the first and this one, and so he feels like he should let them go. Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old and with our sons and with our daughters and with our flocks And with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence." So Pharaoh comes and says, well, now you can go worship the Lord. But who is going? Well, we want to take our young ones, our old ones, our sons, our daughters. We, we want to take our what? We want to go all of us. And Pharaoh says, no. I'll let the men go. But everybody else has stayed behind. In other words, split up the family. No, mama needs to go, daddy needs to go, children need to go, grandparents need to go. We all need to be in church. We all need to serve God. We all need to be on board. But the compromise is only a few. God's man said in verse 9, we should go serve the Lord. We all need to go there. God doesn't want just a man to serve God, but his family. Not a woman just to serve God, but her husband and children. God's target is the family serving God together. But the devil would like to hold back anyone in the family he can. Don't don't make your kids go to church. It's okay if they stay behind. Well, you know, as a parent, our job is to lead our children in paths of righteousness. Are we thinking the TV set at home is going to do that? Are we thinking the internet on their laptop, tap, laptop, or their iPad is going to lead them in steps of righteousness? Well, I guarantee you, the teenagers that are up there on the third floor, Brother TJ's preaching from the Bible. He's preaching them about character, about living for God, about yielding their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's teaching them to obey their parents and follow their parents' leadership. He's teaching them practical things like, you know, I know you think your parents don't know much, but think about it. They were teenagers once too. And they know all the things you're going through. And you need to trust them. And you need to follow them because they're warning you about things in life and you don't even know the consequences of it. But they do. He's doing everything he can to help your home in helping your teenagers. Over in Awanas, they're teaching them Bible principle, biblical verses, and they're memorizing scripture And scripture that talk about serving God, loving their parents, obeying authority, things that will help their life forever. Listen, you need to take the whole family to church so all of them get scriptural principles in their heart and life. Now, I know the men need it. If only men came, we need it. But ladies, you do too. And your children and your grandchildren, they need it too. We all need to serve God with our whole heart. And the devil would have us say, it's okay if just one or two of us are going. Now, I know that homes have complications. I understand that. I understand the devil would love to get in a home and cause division and strife. I understand that. But but if your whole family is not serving God, at least you be praying, 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 praying for the day that your whole family can serve God together. Because that's God's plan for all of our families. All right, I know that it doesn't always work out that way in every family, and I'm not meaning to condemn it if, if it's not your case. But let me say, pray, 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 pray that God would so move and so use your life to influence your family to serve God and be sold out for the Savior. Because we need that. And that's what God wants. He doesn't want only men to serve the Lord. And then in chapter 10, verse 24 through verse 26, it says, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed, let your little ones also go with you. So in other words, you can go now, but leave all your possessions behind. Leave all your flocks, all your possessions behind. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind... For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not what we shall serve the Lord until we come hither. And so he's saying in that passage of Scripture, listen, Pharaoh, we're going to serve our God. We can't leave our possessions behind because when we serve God, we have to be able to yield to Him any and all that we possess, if he asks for it. In other words, Moses understood the scriptural principle that's found out in the New Testament, and that is, as believers, we are only stewards of everything we possess. We are not owners. We are servants of our master to watch over what he has entrusted into our care, but it's still his stuff. That new car is still his. Your house, that's still his. The money in the bank, that's still his. It's all his. And if God wants to impress us to give to a missionary, that's his business. If he wants to impress us to do something, that's his business because he owns it. Now, let me say that if man asks for it, even Christian man or woman asks for it, you're under no compulsion to give because they are not the owners of what you possess, God is. So even in a church, when we have an offering, you ought to give only what God leads you to do, not what man asks of you, because it doesn't belong to your pastor, doesn't belong to your church, it belongs to your God, everything I have. You say, well, I would never... Oh, yeah, you would. If you belong to God, he'll be tapping you on the shoulder. He'll be showing you people with needs. He'll be speaking to your heart about a missionary. He'll show you someone to support in youth camp. He'll, he'll lay on your heart someone to help in school and maybe with a scholarship or something. I'm just saying God is going to touch your heart. The first Sunday night of March of this year, we had a banquet for our family center. We took up pledges of about a little over $400,000. If all of those pledges come in, in the next few months we will have arrived at right around the two million dollar mark and that's been our goal for this year. God has just done some amazing things. But already I've been hearing from believers saying pastor I I pledge this much and already God has provided it. Already God gave us the wherewithal to meet that commitment. God has a way of using our giving as a way of blessing us, not hurting us. God never has you give to impoverish you. He has you give to prosper you. And if you doubt that, It's Jesus that said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, uh, pressed together, running over. God gives multiple as we give. Someone said, I shovel to God and God shovels to me, but his shovels bigger. I believe that's true. Many years ago I heard God will not be a debtor to anyone. You will not give to God, but what he'll give back to you. And I'm not saying he's going to double your money and stuff like that, but I'm saying God is going to see to it that it's well worth anything he's ever asked us to give or sacrifice for his cause. Here he's saying only the people, but not our possessions. Satan doesn't like biblical stewardship. Christians should never be afraid of biblical stewardship because everything we own belongs to God and God knows more than we know what our resources are because he's the giver of it. Satan doesn't mind you giving a little to God as long as you think it's your stuff and you're just giving him a little. But biblical stewardship is the idea that all your stuff is not your stuff, it's God's stuff. And Satan doesn't want you thinking that way. But the Word of God does. We are simply stewards of all that God possesses, all that God has for us. And He's not telling you to dump out your resources. He's not doing that. I think there might be some odd cases in which God's asked someone to do something like that. But that is such a rarity. No, most of us, he just has us to give a small percentage, a tenth of our income or something, or maybe a little more for offerings. And, and God's happy with that as long as we're, it's just showing, it's showing we honor God first, first fruits. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 5, and this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And that's where it boils down. That's, that's what God really wants. The Bible says, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so there's like a hidden string between this and this. And God could care less about the bills in this, and He could care less about the plastic you carry. But He does care about this. And I am confident the only reason God even wants us to give is He knows that where our treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why does God want us to give through the channel of a local New Testament church? Because He wants every believer's heart to be in a local New Testament church. He wants our heart to be in church. And you find that church that God has for you and you give to it. So your heart will be in it. And then you'll care about the teenagers raised up in that church. Then you'll care about the missionaries that church supports. And then you'll care about how the children turn out in that church you support. You see, if you place you're giving in a church, you're going to care about its present and its future. And that's why God says do it. Whether it's in Oregon or Tennessee or uh, Indiana where I was the last two weeks, wherever it is. We ought to give to a place to see God's work go forward. There's no one place we can give in and it just funds all the work of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? One central, you know, let's just all send it to Jerusalem. And then it's going to go around the world to all the different churches, all the new church plants, all the missionaries. All. No, it doesn't happen that way. One church supports these missionaries, others these, and, and, and together they all get on the field. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The purpose of your heart is to figure out what God wants us to do. What does God want us to do? Well, see, God... Speaking through Moses said, we got to go out and serve God. And we're going to go three days journey. Favoral says, that's good. Just don't go too far. Then he comes back and says, okay, you can go. Uh, Who are you going to take? Well, we're going to take everybody. No, no, no. Just have men serve God. Just men. No, no, no. We're going to go with our whole family. You see, we want our whole family serving God. Not just the men. We want everybody serving God. Okay, okay. Well, you can go uh, and you can take the people, but leave your stuff there. No, no, you don't understand. You see, when we go worship God, we don't know what he's going to ask for. So it's got to go with us in case he asks for it. He's our God. And whatever he asks for, we're going to give him. Now, that just has to be the heart of every believer. And anything less is a compromise. And we know that the devil is the author of all such compromises. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's what God wants of every one of us. He's not after our stuff. He's looking to entrust more stuff with us. But he wants us to realize it's all his stuff. It's all his. We are just stewards of it. Our families, we're just stewards of it. Our wife, that's his wife too. She belongs to him. Our children, uh, they belong to him. Our grandchildren, they belong to him. But we want to serve God together. Let's all serve God. Let's all be what God wants us to be. Moses had to deal with Pharaoh who tried to interject compromise into his life. but let me tell you when he left Egypt and God let the Israelites go. they went not three days journey, but 40 year journey to get to Canaan. They took a whole generation, all the men, all the women, all the children, All their animals, all their cattle, all their sheep, everything they owned, and a lot of what the Egyptians owned, because they borrowed all their jewelry and took it with them. And that jewelry would one day be melted down to build the things overlaid with gold in the tabernacle in the wilderness, God had a reason for everything He did. And we can trust Him with our lives as well. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let God speak to your life and my life. God's not trying to get from us. He's trying to give to us. But He wants us to have a pure heart He wants us to be wholehearted in serving Him. Just a moment, we're going to have a prayer. Then we're going to stand, music will play. And I want you to let God speak to your heart. And ask yourself, does God have my whole heart, my whole heart? Heavenly Father, I pray you'll speak to all of our hearts, Lord. I want to ask myself that same question. Do you have my whole heart? And Lord, I want you to search me. I want to come up with the right answer. And I hope it's an answer that's pleasing to you. And Lord, I pray that all of us as Christians could search our own heart on that as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. And will you talk to the Lord and ask him about your heart and what it is that God has for your life.